Hey everyone, I'm Brenda and I'm Julia and you're listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Your 20s are known as both the most exciting and most confusing years of your life. We're here to share our stories, to have real and raw conversations, and best of all, to make you feel a little less alone. This podcast was brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Welcome back to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Today we have on with us Celeste Reigns Turk. She specializes in helping bikini competitors make peace with food, their body, and their goals. She has so many amazing tools that she uses and her own signature PTG process, which we're going to get all into. We have so many questions for her, Celeste. We're so excited. Thanks for being here. I'm so excited too. Like I told you guys before we started recording, like you've been in my ears because <laughs> I'm like, what's the energy? What's the vibe when you reached out? And then I couldn't get enough. And oh. I was like, oh, I gotta keep. And I don't listen to many podcasts. Like I really don't. So I just felt like when I'm listening to your podcast, like I'm listening to best friends. And I was like, oh, I'm excited to bring that energy too. Yes. Oh my gosh. All of the validation. Yes. Our hearts are already on fire before, <laughs> before the first question. <laughs> It's, it's true. That, that's all we could wish for is that like people think that, you know, they're chatting with their best friends. So that means a lot. So Celeste, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you, who you are, where you're from and how old you are. Yes, I just turned 24 and I was born and raised in Cali just in 24 December and I live in California. I'll probably be moving before the end of the year. I love mountains. So I got to be around the mountains and I started as a personal trainer and fitness enthusiast. I was studying dietetics and clinical nutrition and then, you know, I realized that path wasn't for me after going through my own journey with mental health, which really inspired me to immerse myself more in the psychology, the philosophy, the lifespan development subject areas. And then I realized from my own introspection and, you know, I'm sure we'll get into it, but the things that I faced on my own journey, I had this epiphany and it was like my mission and my purpose was born in this moment where it hit me. I was like, oh my gosh, fitness is about building more than just a body. And since then my mission has really evolved with me. And that's, that is the mission. That's my purpose. And as it started as a fitness coach and it evolved into me now in the mental health space, mental health professional. So I got my degree in psychology. I'm pursuing my master's in clinical mental health counseling with the ultimate vision of bridging the gap between athletes, the fitness industry, competitors, and mental health professionals so that, you know, there's a mutual respect and understanding on both sides. And um, yeah, I'm very passionate about it. Very excited. That's, that's what I, that's what I do. That's who I am. <laughs> I love that. My goodness. We talk so much about these things that you, that you're discussing. We talk about the food freedom aspect, the body image, the kind of, how do you morph the two? Is that possible? Does that exist? And it's been really cool to hear from so many different people's perspectives and, and where they're kind of at and how their stories have impacted where they are today. So could you give us a little background on your story and how, yeah, I guess how you got to where you are today with your philosophy and all those things? Yeah, for sure. So I got really into fitness and nutrition because I was playing volleyball and I wanted to play collegiate volleyball. This is back in high school. Um, and I'd been playing volleyball for so many years of my life. Love the sport. I, I wanted to, all I wanted was to be a collegiate volleyball player. And 
anyway, I was like, well, if I'm already good and I'm not watching my nutrition or training outside of practice, imagine what I could do and accomplish if I did. Now that was like one layer of this. What was really going on though, is I would look in the mirror and I wasn't, I didn't like what I saw. I had been in a not so great relationship. I was experiencing a lot of depression and was anxious. I actually had um, anxiety because of my depression where I was so afraid of myself and of my own mind. You know, you really do feel trapped and like you don't know what to expect. And then after going through that, I was like, okay, let let me commit to more fitness and change my body and feel confident and strong, but also achieve like these athletic goals. And I went completely into disordered eating approaches and abusing exercise. And, you know, it started with not so great intentions and the exercises and nutrition I did, I was doing the best I could. I didn't have all the knowledge that I needed. So I don't blame myself for that at all, but it turned into something, unfortunately, much worse. I think I was seeking a lot of control through it. You know, a lot of people will say that's, that's where disordered eating can come from. It's not always the case, but I think that was happening as well as just wanting that satisfaction that I I was able to give myself what I really wanted. Um, And yeah, for me, just it it started with fitness and nutrition. And then as I was studying, I, I found love for psychology and that came from immersing into personal development after starting my business in 2015. I was working with a therapist at 18 because I had depression and anxiety. And then I was was developing my business. And as you girls know, like it's so important to have personal development at the forefront and mindset work at the forefront. And that introduced me to this whole other world. And, uh, you know, I realized the power of, I am really like this, this statement, the words. And I learned that this is something I was more passionate about than diet and training and did my first competition. I blamed competing for everything when really it was just a crutch for me. So there's a lot to that. And I know I kind of just blabbed about it, but I guess you could say it went from disordered to very healthy now. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And I'm so excited to dive into this topic. I know we both are to be fairly honest, because that's what we do here. We're real and raw. Um, I'm even nervous to have this conversation with you and it has nothing to do with you. It has 100% to do with what you just shared um, that, you know, there's this place where our habits can be misinterpreted as like discipline. And then it's actually not the healthiest decision for us, but then over time, over healing, over doing all of the discovery that you have done and implemented and shown other people how to do, there's this place where it's like, I kind of want to pursue this again. Is that okay? Am I allowed? Should I feel guilty? And so many, you know, powerful and incredible voices in the food freedom space, I think kind of make us think twice about what we're able to feel and not feel right, like you can only not have blaming, but anyway, you talk yeah. exactly. Yes. yes. I can't and, stand that. And <laughs> you said um, something that really stood out to me about blaming competing. And I think that a lot of people, a lot of us tend to blame the thing, right? You know, I'm going to use a very specific example. Like um, it was that diet. It was that diet who did it and it's diet culture. But it's like, I ugh, I haven't even fully talked about this on the podcast, but there are things, habits that I'm incorporated in, or incorporating into my life right now that I may have done as well in a time when I was in a disordered relationship with food. But the way I feel about it is totally different. Yes. So <laughs> that was a very long way of saying I'm excited for this interview. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is awesome. It's no, you can do it. Like that's the thing. I believe intention is everything. 
everything. And you mentioned there's people who are like, it's either this or that. You're either competing or you have a healthy relationship with food. You're either pursuing your fitness goals or you're not. And you're happier because of it. I can't stand that. Like it honestly is such a pet peeve of mine because I think it tends to promote the same message they're trying to run away from. You cannot say, or I guess I should say you can't um, demonize diet culture and then turn around and demonize fitness and health and pursuing wellness. Like you can't demonize both. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think intention is everything. So it's very possible that habits that you used to cling on to or um, use as maybe a supporter crutch or as a justification pattern to then show up later in life after healing as something that's actually healthy and, and more beneficial, right? Like, okay, I'm following a nutrition plan. And maybe that association with the nutrition plan is, oh, I'm going to end up binging and I'm going to go crazy. And that's the, that's an old association. That's an old pattern. Mm -hmm. And so when you go back to following a plan, that's where your mind goes because that new association hasn't been built strong enough. So it can be really scary to go back to the things that we know will help us achieve our goals. But if we remind ourselves that our intention is so much more positive now, it's coming from a healthier place and we're considering longevity, we're considering consistency, we're considering our life as a whole. There's no urgency in it. We're aware of potential sabotages and patterns. Now, when we're actually committing to those habits and behaviors, we're building those new associations, which then allows us to see them differently. Yeah. Wow. That I, I, I get like super fired up <laughs> and I'm so glad because like, I think one to echo what Brenda said, I'm so glad we're having this conversation. Cause I know it's something that Brenda has been thinking about a ton and like, also like how to talk about it as well as just, you know, living it and going through it and figuring it out. So I'm so glad that we're going to get all into it. And as you were talking, Celeste, I was thinking, because I've been listening to Brenda and like also trying to understand, you know, what she's been feeling about it. And like, I think you, you kind of just like made it make sense to me. It's kind of like, for an example, like if you were <laughs> in a toxic relationship in the past, like you're not going to not be in a relationship again in the future, but you can be in a positive relationship. And it's not the thing. It's the way the thing has gone about. So if you had toxic behaviors in the last relationship, you can have a healthy relation, new relationship without those behaviors. Like, I don't know, that kind of just like made sense to me as you were talking. And I was like, I get it. I get it now. So before we break down all that stuff, I'm curious as to how you got back into competing and when you started getting back into competing, was there a lot of fear about the old habits coming back? Mm, That's a great question. And I'm so glad we're having this conversation too, like kind of breaking the uh, boundaries that exist in body positivity, food relationship, that kind of thing. And having these conversations is so important, especially um, for athletes pursuing fitness goals. And for me, I knew I was ready to get back into competing because it wasn't coming from a place of, oh, like, let's use this to justify my disordered behavior patterns, where that was really where it was coming from before where it was like, oh, well, well, okay. So like I got into competing, I really wanted to see like how far I could push myself, what else I could achieve. All of that was there. But then it was like, oh, now I can say it's because I'm on prep that I'm not eating certain things or that I'm not going out with certain people or that I'm not doing an activities that also would make me really happy or that I'm abusing exercise for this. So oh. that intention has changed. <laughs> yes, it's very, it's, it, be, it can become a crutch. It's like people who use distractions to take them away from their ultimate purpose, right? Like 
they know what they're doing, um, but it's easier to not say that they're doing that. So I got back into competing because I wanted to prove you could do it with a healthy relationship with food and your body. And I felt that I had established that. And it was scary at first, Julia. Like I was like, uh, what if I go back into this? Or what if I, you know, can't actually recommit to a plan or whatever. And I'm one of those people who like, if you give me a plan, I'm following it to a T, no ifs, ands, or buts. I don't cheat on my plan. I don't cheat on prep. Never even taken a lick of anything. But this type of mindset, the all or nothing mindset can also be very detrimental yeah, for sure in, in the after prep phase um, as well. So yeah, it was scary at first. And that season though was amazing because it was a season of my life that allowed me to prove to myself that I could still belong in the fitness industry. Not that I didn't feel that I was in it, but it was just a different level. I felt like I could redefine that for myself where, oh, it could look different. Oh, you could do this and really feel good about the choices you're making consistently. You can follow a plan with feeling mindful about your choices as well and still honoring the intuition I had developed or the self-love I had developed. And I was able to bring that energy into my preps. And first prep wasn't perfect coming back, um, but it you know, I evolved with it. I recognized where I needed to improve. Yeah, definitely. It's it's so fascinating to think about. I don't know why this like specific example came to my head, but I think specifically when it comes to like binge eating, I think a lot of some like with Overeaters Anonymous and stuff like that, I think they take this approach, same with like AA and all these things of you know, abstain from the things that that trigger you to a capacity. But with food, it's so tricky because you can't avoid food, you right. know? <laughs> um, and of course, you have to eat, right? Uh, multiple times a day. Um, so it's, it's like this tricky, tricky situation. But anyway, kind of going off of that, I'm so fascinated by people that kind of take this totally different approach, which seems very well to be aligned with yours. And it also made me think about this idea of abstaining overall that people want to abstain from pursuing weight loss or pursuing fitness goals. And I'm kind of jumping around a little bit because it's just in my head. But do you believe that there are some people that can do exactly what you're doing and and, and pursue um, aesthetic and physique goals and some people that shouldn't that have had a disordered relationship with food and body? Mm-hmm. I would never tell someone not to pursue it out of fear of their relationship with food or their body Mm -hmm. image. I would say address that, you know, like if that's the fear, um, definitely address it. Now, are there some people who maybe should abstain from the lifestyle altogether? Possibly. Mm -hmm. I'm very much under the impression that we can pursue our goals while having and even creating a healthy relationship with food in our body. And, you know, we hear people say, it's not about the food right? It's not about the food. But then in the next breath, they say, but don't compete. Okay, but don't go on a diet. Well, I thought it wasn't about the food, Mm. right? So if we're really believing that, it's like, well, then let's help people with their intention. Let's help people with what's the inner driver that's going to support this. What is the new action plan? Because what people tend to do is when they say, I'm going to go back to it, They go back to something that they previously fell off of. I fell off the wagon. I'm going to get back on track. I'm going to go back to my old ways. No, no, no. Obviously, that didn't work for you. Right, right. So Mm -hmm. I believe in finding a better path, right? Like developing a new track, seeing what went wrong. Where did the train go off and what needs to be put there so it doesn't happen again? Maybe that's more flexibility. Maybe that's more support. But I would never tell someone not to compete just because of 
a history of that. Mm -hmm. I think there's always a way to make it work, but if we're, we also have to then be mindful of timeline. And I think that kind of goes into don't start it out of urgency either. You know, I got to lose this amount of body fat. I got to get on stage by this date. Urgency is not going to help us either. So um, I really believe it's just about understanding the standard you're going to have for yourself, the expectations you have, and then what you actually want to get out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, 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 I think the timeline piece is obviously so important. Like everybody's going to be on their own timeline when it comes to this stuff. And like, I know, like we talked about fear before, like fear of, of falling back off or like fear of maybe dealing with an old habit again. But like, just because those things might come up doesn't mean that you aren't on the forward momentum onto a new journey. Like that, that stuff happens and being compassionate with yourself, like as you're on that journey to get to a place where you can do both or when you can have certain goals and stuff. So I'm curious of like what kind of your methodology slash philosophy is when it comes to having aesthetic and fitness goals. And like how is that changed for you over time? Definitely. Yeah. Well, over time, it's certainly changed for me personally. Like before it was like so much worth and identity. And I guess you could say even seeing how my value was wrapped up in aesthetic and, oh, this is a representation of how great I am when really that's not always the case at all. So that's shifted for me personally and achieving fitness and aesthetic goals can really come down to like what it is that it's bringing to other areas of your life. Maybe it's routine, maybe it's structure, maybe it's fulfillment, maybe it's a path to building self-efficacy or that belief in our ability to do things. And then that bleeds into other areas of our life. So when we pursue fitness and aesthetic goals, we're not just doing it because we want to, you know, have our body shaped a certain way. Because honestly, there's no standard that's ever going to be right for everybody or anybody. So you could say, oh, I want to do this. And someone's going to tell you, you should do something else. So I think with fitness and aesthetic goals, it's like, well, why is that physique even matter to you? Like, why is it that you like that? Because there's people who identify with like body positivity movement and that version of like when we hear body positivity now, maybe our minds go to a whole different physique than if you hear fitness inspiration. And why is that? That yeah. shouldn't be the way it is. Why can't they be both on, on any side, on any side, any size, any health level. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so I think, you know, that's important to consider is pursuing that can bring lots of different fulfillment. Yeah, no, that makes so much sense. And I think that I, I loved what you said a little, a uh, little bit before about you knew when you were going through your own journey, when you were like ready to take on these things, because like you said, timing and urgency and all these things come into play and that that sense of urgency sometimes adds a lot of negative pressure. So that you said you wanted to like prove it to yourself. And I guess my question, my first question, because I have to, <laughs> is how do you know, like for someone that's afraid, how do they know if they should quote unquote, risk it, right? Risk this like tentative falling back into old behaviors, just because I know that like we talked about before, there are moments where people convince themselves that things are healthier, that they are ready, and they might not be. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Well, there's research that shows that the people who are more successful are the people who are prepared for potential failures, roadblocks, sabotage, that kind of stuff. So if you're scared about, you know, achieving something or going after something, starting something again, pursuing a goal, good. <laughs> now you have a million reasons that you can prepare yourself to succeed because that fear is informing you from some past experience it's, mm -hmm. or someone else's experience 
experience or things people have said, like posts like, oh, bodybuilding ruined me. And then that's like what someone thinks about before starting and then decides not to. Well, no, you know, let's look at why did, why was bodybuilding so bad for this person or what happened in their journey that we need to be prepared for? Oh, really restrictive diet. Okay. Maybe that's not for me or maybe, oh, you know, I actually want that. I like that idea. I like to have that, but going back to intention and if the intention is to care for your body, naturally you'll be inspired to take action that aligns with that belief. So in terms of knowing you're ready and taking that leap of faith, the best thing you can do is prepare yourself. I knew because I had resources. So I knew that, hey, if I get that urge or if I start noticing that pattern of wanting to binge and have, you know, like a ton of treats stored up or stocked up, or if I want to end up going crazy every time I get a cheap meal or after this show, I feel this way or into an improvement season, this is the tool I can implement. This is the mindset I'll implement. This is the resource. This is the action plan. Have a plan of action. Don't just jump into it like, I think I'm ready. And I'll have a plan in place. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think the thing that just popped into my head now is that whole piece of identity. Like people go through this piece where they're like, okay, I'm the fitness person. And then after you're going through a period of healing your relationship with food in your body, it's like, okay, well now I'm the person that was, you know, wronged by diet culture. And now I'm not allowed to even like have this thought because that's not, you know, that's not okay. So it's, it's really interesting how even that, which is why I think I, I love you, but I feel so deeply <laughs> uncomfortable talking about this because I'm like, I'm scared of, of triggering someone or I'm scared of someone misinterpreting. You know what I mean? Yes. So it's so fascinating how those pieces of our minds like come into play. But with all that stuff that you said with body positivity and fitness and why can't they exist all around, how do, how do physique and uh, weight loss goals relate to being more than a body? Yes. My favorite phrase in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, that's a great question. I don't think it's so much do fitness goals bring us, you know, the ability to build more just body. I think how does building more than just a body help us bring out our fitness goals? Mm. And if we, yeah, like if we can see it as my commitment is to build more than just a body now, that means we're rooted in self-love. That means we're having self-awareness. We're committed to recognizing potential sabotage, or we're committed to following a plan that is best for us, even if it takes longer, or if it doesn't meet society standards or the industry standards, but it's our standards and it's aligned with our values. And we're focused on what matters to us. Now we're actually able to build more than just a body. Cause if you just go into it, like, I'm just going to build this great body. I'm going to like, love it. And then you what's left like nothing it's not substantiated there's no foundation to support that or continue that sustainability so building more than just a body comes down to aligning inner work with the physical result saying i am so committed to myself that now the actions and the results and the choices i make take care of themselves Ooh, my is blown away. Yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> I am. She is. I think it goes with anything and any kind of goal that you have. Like you have, you know, we can't we can't be so hyper focused. Like there's, you know, we're we're human. Like that comes with physical health, mental health, social health, sexual health. Like there's all these layers, and it's. I think it's easy to get, especially because we're in such a like 
you know, goal oriented, result oriented culture. What can you post on Instagram that looks the best? Like it's easy to get hyper-focused and forget that you need to be taking care of all of those things. And, and that's a lot, like it is a lot to think that, oh God, I got to take care of all of those things. It's not easy, but it's important. Absolutely. And I like how you just brought that up about social media. It's amazing. And Brenda, you mentioned it earlier too. There's almost like this filtration system. Who who might I trigger? Who might I bother? And the other day I was writing this post and I was telling my boyfriend, I was like, is this too much? And then I reminded myself, if I don't polarize people, (laughs) I'm going to make no impact, right? Like if I'm not willing to say what I believe and what I need to say, it, it won't land. It will never land on anybody. And I think it's important. If we never challenged the things that are wrong, then nothing would change, right? As they say, yes, it would like, there would still be, I mean, there was, we've done some crazy things. Like humans have done crazy <laughs> things. Like imagine if we never challenged it, right? Like, <laughs> so it's good to be out there on social media and say, instead of belonging to a community, instead of say, t- saying, I'm part of the fitness industry, I'm part of body positive positivity movement. Instead, I represent this in my own way. I'm here to empower others to represent it in their best way. And we get categorized into, you know what I mean? Like, oh, now I'm part of this community and I might be X communicated if I try to align with that one as well. Well, let's drop the identities and labels all together and say, what do I appreciate about both? What do both bring me and how can they coexist in my life? Ooh, my goodness. That hit like that really hit Um, (laughs) because it's so true. It's exactly what you said. It's like, yes, a lot of people are putting out highlight reels and 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 all the things. And then a lot of people are being vulnerable luckily nowadays too. And it's like, I've had this almost not identity crisis, but this weird thing because we're real and raw in so many areas of life, but I've found myself tiptoeing in this particular area because I don't know how, right? I don't know how to, to, it's the same thing as before, right? People who are healing are like, I, how do I say I'm not the fitness person anymore? And how, you know, how do we say here, you know what? My thoughts have kind of evolved and this is where I'm at right now. So you're so right though. The more that we show up authentically as ourselves, the more we're going to attract like-minded people and I think a lot of it comes with how we say things without overthinking it too much. But I'd like to think that most people who know me know that nothing I say is, you know, poorly intended to hurt them. (laughs) Um, But I guess you never know who you're helping who's in the same space as you as well, mental space. Exactly. And we develop these associations with our community too. Well, my community my community identifies me as this. Well, that's our perception as well. Or what if I now change that? If if this has made such a big impact, then what are they going to think when I maybe go a different way? And it's so amazing because instead of saying, I no longer identify with this or believe in this, we can say, this is how I represent this more. Like Mm, when I was like, um, I felt like, oh, the body positivity movement is like um, a self-destruction it's not self-love this was something that I really believed strongly you know like oh this is not right like loving your body means taking care of your body it means appreciating your body it means doing what's best listening and that can look different for everybody that could mean going to the doctor following a gut protocol or it could mean pursuing you know becoming the next best like model or boxing champion whatever it might be but I think what happens is because we get so wrapped up into that identity or that scene, we then think that these things can't 
live together. Like we have to protect it. But what if we could redefine it? You know, what if we could redefine what that meant, not just for us, but for our community, like through our experiences, like I realized, oh, you know, it was worth like when people see in the bodybuilding community, for example, like a competitor gain a lot of weight post show, they immediately think, oh, that person binged, they rebounded, they screwed up. Well, in that person's mind, they could have been making very conscious choices that then just led to weight gain. And so then we can transform the way people see weight gain, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they, I think Same with weight loss or yeah, fat loss. Right. I think, you know, with anything, when it's so, when we're so extreme and we can't, we're not curious and we're not open to, you know, exploring, growing our ideas or expanding our opinions, it's, it's, an, it's not a, smart place to be because even if you try to expand and then you can see and you could say oh maybe that's not for me I like my old way or my other way but I think being curious and having the conversations are what's really important attention attention calling all sneaker lovers calling all sneaker lovers I have incredible news because our newest sponsor here at Roaring 20s podcast is eBay. eBay is the original sneaker marketplace and it is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. Whether it's a rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you are looking for. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. So a team of experienced sneaker authenticators verified the logo, the box, the stitching, dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee that includes a digital stamp of authenticity and it also protects sellers with a verified return policy. And for you sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers over $100, making it free to sell or flip your collection, which is just incredible. So go head over to ebay.com slash sneakers today dot ebay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. So go ahead, girl, go get yourself a pair of cute sneaks. You deserve it. Get a pair for your boyfriend, for your dad, your mom, your dog. I don't know. Everybody loves loves a good sneaker. Go head over to eBay and enjoy. Um, I do want to take it back to the mental health aspect a little bit as well, because I think, you know, we say like, have the conversations, do the things, but what, what do you believe are some healthy measures and precautions that someone can take in order to be prioritizing their mental health while they're pursuing these goals or having these conversations that might be, you know, new to them? Like, what are, what are the things we can do to protect ourselves as we're going on this journey? Mm, That's a great question. You're right. It's not enough to just say, like, hey, I'm going to protect my mental space while I'm pursuing this, because what does that actually mean and look like? So one thing that I think is the most important aspect before embarking on any journey is set standards and expectations for yourself and commitments. Um, And these commitments should be carried over regardless of the end result. So in other words, it's not like, oh, I'm committed to doing X amount of cardio every day, but more like I'm committed to showing up for myself every day. I'm committed to setting boundaries when it's necessary and expressing what this, what the purpose is to me. Reinforce, this is a big one. Reinforce the conversations you want to have with the people around you as well. So to protect our mental health, whether that's our, like you said earlier, social health, emotional health, physical health, sexual health, all these things, we have to consider and then say, what kind of conversations do I want to be having around it? Because if in the past you pursued a goal that 
led to maybe a less ideal version of yourself or something that led to a big breakthrough, you know, and caused this amazing personal development journey, people around you are also going to associate the negative behavior spiral that came of it with Mm -hmm. you. And they're, they're doing their best to just support and love and protect you. Like that's where their energy is coming from. So sometimes they'll combat it. Are you sure you want to do that? Why are you doing that? What's the point of that? Oh, well, what, remember what happened last time? And it's like, yes, you think I forget something (laughs) like that? Like, come on. (laughs) Oh, yes. Having those conversations is important, but reinforcing the way we want to not just like, oh, no, I'm doing it different. But like when you wake up in the morning and someone is there, maybe like, oh, I'm so excited to start my day and really be intentional. And I'm choosing this food to fuel my body with. So I feel energized. That's very different than only oh, have to eat this this morning because I'm on this fat loss phase or I'm trying to build muscle or whatever it is. If that's not the conversation you want people having with you, don't have it with yourself or with them either. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another thing is just like I said earlier, be prepared for potential sabotages with your combatives for them. And then the next bit in terms of mental health is you have to be proactive every single day, have things in place that you're doing that are proactive that are preemptive so we're not waiting to address a sabotage or address failure or failure or address um, some sort of challenge we're getting ahead of it so we're making success more convenient than sabotage by being prepared and having those routines in place as well yeah, I love that you that you mentioned that. And I think that that is definitely a big hurdle that people who do similar things, even if they go about it, do go through a phase of like feeling like they have to convince people that they're okay and convincing them. I know I even had to do that with Julia and she didn't make me feel like I had to, but I personally felt like I had to say, hey, I'm all good, I promise. But just so you know, like I, I really felt like I needed to explain all of that. And what was I going to say? See, you got me so excited that I forgot. Um, but with with like that whole thing of convincing people and the conversations that you want to have, oh, this is what I was going to say, that the intention is so different. Like I know now when, when I used to wake up, the biggest difference is like, which is why I think that the whole body positivity, food freedom, and then, um, you know, fitness goals comes into play in, in being against each other to an extent is because I, them not being able to coexist means that like, you really can't believe if you're pursuing fitness goals, then you must inherently not somehow believe that people like that people don't have to do that. I think that's the biggest key is like, that, that makes people afraid to talk about these things mm-hmm. is if you're pursuing fitness goals, like I know for myself, no piece of me believes that everybody should look the same way. No piece of me believes that everyone should be pursuing fitness goals or should change their bodies. And I think that's the key that we're afraid of like having people say, but I know now the very first thing that I start my day with, I give myself endless positive affirmations. If I ever, and I've never said this out loud on the podcast, if I ever step on a scale, I literally give myself affirmations before I step on there, you know, and I know the approach is different. And the biggest difference that I've seen is feeling like you have to do something versus wanting to and knowing you have a choice not to. It's a lot of words. (laughs) Those words were beautiful altogether. I thought that was awesome. Your um, affirmations too, before stepping on a scale, like I have this thing, like it's a five, three, one that I have my client to do. It's like five things that you are proud of yourself for from the week before, however long it's been since your last check-in or weigh-in or whatever. Mm -hmm. Three things you're grateful for about your body specifically. And then one thing you're looking forward to in the day. And I think if we do this before we step on a scale, what we're able to do is evoke like positivity where now the number on the scale is data. 
but it doesn't represent who we've become in that process. I love that. I that's love so that. powerful. I, yeah, that's amazing. I love that so much. Yeah, when we talked to um, Jordan Syatt, he said the exact same thing. He was like, "It's just data," and like, and it's good to have yes. data. That's what it is. It's just data, and I, I, I that was like really um, perspective changing for me, and I just love that. Um, Brenda, did you have a thought on that? On the stepping on the scale? No, because I felt like oh, I jumped on. I jumped on her, on her lovely. Oh no, that's okay. No, I was just gonna say that I absolutely like love that, and I think that it makes all the difference in how we feel when we really prioritize how we feel and our mental health. And I know that now at the end of every workout, the very last thing I do, and I, I used to in the past think this was cheesy or not like doable or real but like I always the last thing I do is like thank my body (laughs) for like getting me through it and um totally different feeling yeah Yeah. I love absolutely oh so important I this is a selfish question so that's because you're you I've been selfish this whole time so ask 500 questions (laughs) (laughs) it's such it's so important but um you're obviously you're very motivated Do you have like tips for motivation? Like not, you know, obviously in terms of like physical goals, but just in terms of like life in general? Yes. Oh my God. I love this question because my life is like, I would define it like myself as very ambitious and I'm proud of the things that I've accomplished, you know, and it feels good to accomplish things. And I'm so, there's, you know, the like, oh, motivation doesn't exist. It's all about discipline. I'm like, well, let's not lie to ourselves. Like the motivation exists. It's it's out there. So there's a lot of things that motivate me, but there's certain things that underlying are consistently motivating me. And there's one question that motivates me a lot. And it is what happens if I don't? And when I ask myself, what happens if I don't, this can apply to what happens if I don't put away my laundry today. It can also apply to like, (laughs) what happens if I don't like respond to this email. But when I ask this, I'm thinking of what happens to my values really. And I have three values in my life and I've narrowed this down or I call them like my core soul codes. <laughs> They're like the things that are just like- the I, codes love of I love that. I love that. Thank you. That's what motivates me. It's, and it's funny. I named it Phil because it's like freedom, impact, and love. So I always know like I'm motivated by Phil. <laughs> yeah. So those are my three main drivers. And when I say what happens if I don't, it's like I immediately think, oh, if I don't put away my laundry, then what's going to happen is- I'm now sacrificing that time tomorrow, which I really wanted to spend time with my boyfriend. And that's my love. Or, oh, I'm, if I don't do that, um, if I don't respond to that email that I'm going to be thinking about, it's going to be taking up mental space. That doesn't align with my value of freedom. Oh, if I don't go to the gym, then I'm not able to show up my best self for my clients. And that's going to take me away from my my impact. So those are, so that's what motivates me. (laughs) I I love that. My goodness. And I love (laughs) you knew your values. Because I think when, when people are asked, what do you value? What's important to you? You know, it, it like takes people a second to process. And maybe the, of course, family is important. All these things are important, but, um, to really take the time to sit down and be like, okay, what are my values? And what time am I putting towards different? Am I actually like, are these my values? Am I spending time doing what I say I value or with people that I value? And I just love that you know that so clearly because when we're so sure of what we value and and what we want to be doing, then 
everything just kind of falls into place as opposed to like flying blind. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Having things that guide us in our life Mm -hmm. and knowing it can evolve and change and grow with us. And sometimes, you know, one area needs more, like maybe, oh, you know, I'm really lacking in the freedom department. So how can I get more of that? And then taking action that aligns with that or showing ourselves how we are can then just know we're living a fulfilling life. And this is something I take my clients through too, is like a values, like we deep dive into values and we create something that's going to help them align with their values each day or each week, I should say. And essentially what I always tell them is when you know your values and you know, you're living a fulfilling life, you visually see this every single day. We no longer seek externally to fill these voids. Mm. And that can look like filling them through all sorts of things, fitness or non-fitness. It can look not so great. It could be toxic or it can be sabotaging. It could be detrimental. And so when we fulfill our our values and what really matters, external urges start to dwindle. I love that. Definitely. Yeah, no. And I just, I think it's, it's so important because I feel like a lot of times we interpret that like, any sort of exercise or, or whatever it is, it solely brings you stress, right? Like it's a hurdle or things like that. When now that I think about it, maybe at a point where you, when you feel like you have to, or you feel like you won't be loved if you don't do things like that, then of course that's going to bring a whole lot of stress. But like when you said that about your clients, like, oh, you know, if I don't go to the gym, I'm not going to show up. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't make you a bad person for not going to the gym. And you know that your worthiness, the way you believe in yourself isn't shaken by not going. It's knowing that you show up in like a different energy, more empowered and all those things. You're like, damn, I have a lot on my plate and I'm doing all the things and, and I'm crushing it. And it's just like an empowering feeling as opposed to, you know, so deeply tied to, to your worth. And I think that that's a really like key point about all of it. Yeah. And Definitely. I think Definitely. it's not like, oh, I have to do this to, oh, go ahead, Julia. No, oh, no, I know. Finish, finished your thoughts, Les. <laughs> like, it's not like we have to then go to the gym and be like, oh, I'm going to burn all these calories because I have to and I overeat or whatever. Instead, it's like there's a different energy. And sometimes it is like, oh, I, I, why do I not want to go to the gym? I'm exhausted. I'm not going to have a great workout. I'm sick. Well, now we're not justifying that. And we go, well, then how can I make sure I still fulfill what the gym provides me mm-hmm. and that make sure I'm still getting that. So all these things, like no matter what it is we do or what we're passionate about, art, fitness, um, gaming, whatever it might be, if we can't participate in it, there's still something it's giving us that we can definitely find in other areas of our life too. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, I think it's so important. And it even ties into the question that me and Brenna have been bringing up a lot of like, if, if nobody else's opinion mattered, like what would you do or not do? And I think it really applies to, you know, physical things as well. Cause it's like, are you doing the physical goals for that picture on Instagram? Or like, are you doing it? What are your core reasons that you're doing it? And I think I think getting real with yourself about what those values are. And I love that you just knew them off the top of your head and like, and it goes with anything, physical goals, whatever other career goals, relationship goals, like knowing why you're doing something. And we keep saying it over and over. It's intention. It's why it's so important. And I just love it. I feel like we could do a whole nother podcast on just that alone, but we won't get down that road because I do want to know, Celeste, you mentioned your clients before. So what is your coaching look like? You gave us little snippets here and there about how you work with your clients, but what can people expect from working with you? That's a great question. Well, 
I for sure will never never tell someone not to pursue the goals that matter to them. Um, And I think that that really is the difference between me and other mental health professionals or therapists or counselors or um, even other food freedom coaches in the industry. I'm very much a believer that you can do both and you can have both. So um, when people work with me, they can expect a very hands-on intensive approach at the beginning. I am a huge believer in changing our beliefs, changing our thought patterns and changing our behavior patterns patterns as well. So all these things are connected and I love hammering the nail as much as possible. So I work with my clients in, you could say like a short period of time and get massive results. And I'm not saying that to be like, Oh, this is a quick fix. You work with me and all your problems go away. Absolutely not. (laughs) But when people work with me, usually they walk away pretty quickly. Like, Holy crap, it's been two weeks. And this is amazing because I don't focus on let's do everything all at once. I focus on let's do the thing that's going to create the next best result? What's the next best step for you? And how can we capitalize on it? While I believe in psychoeducation, for sure, I love educating my clients, giving them resources, making sure they understand why they're doing what they're doing. What I know is that the reason they're choosing to do it is much more important than anything I could share with them. So I always, always get clear with my clients on what it is that they want to actually get out of it. Why is it so important? And If they don't know that yet, then I know that their results may look different than someone else's if I'm not aware of that. So I never take a one size fits all. I take a use the process and apply it to each individual because my process works. So then I have to make sure it works for that person. Um, But essentially, yeah, if if it comes to food relationship, let's say we're going to be really digging into their current relationship with food their ideal relationship with food and then bridging the gap between the two. Um, and that can look different for everybody. Yeah. Wow. I love that. I think it's, it's so cool that you literally offer something for people that are looking to prove to themselves that this space that everybody talks about is possible. You know, this like ideal place that a lot of people want to be in, but are like, no, it's not for me or no, it can't be true. Um, and the fact that you literally guide people. And I love that you said that you customize it into what works best for them because everyone is so different. Um, so that's so, so awesome. Um, and I'm curious if there is, how do I word this? If there's someone who's listening, who's like, I don't get it. Like how, how can these two spaces coexist? How is it possible that she's saying both food freedom and, um, pursuing fitness goals can exist? What would you say to them? What's like something that you would, would say to, to help them understand? Oh, great question. Because I know there's people listening, like Uh a bunch of bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) That's not possible. You have to go all in in order to achieve that. Not true. Um, You really don't have to. So what I would let them know is that this is not so much about, again, like meeting a criteria standard that comes with these words that we attach to food freedom or to fitness and health. It comes with finding your ideal. And that's where I think there's some missing pieces. I love the concept of food freedom. I love the concept of, you know, bodybuilding and killing them in that too. But they exist together. This is what people need to understand is your goals, if they are important to you, then you should be willing to take all the time in the world to achieve them. Meaning shed what you believe you need to do, or as Albert Ellis would say, should don't, you know, like don't shut on yourself, be like no shoulding, <laughs> move the shoulds 
That's what I like to do with my clients. No more shoulds. And instead, what is it you need? You know, like, what do you need to believe? What do you need to choose? And what do you need to let go of? and grieve. So if you're listening to this and you're like, it's not possible, I would want to know who taught you that it wasn't possible. When did you decide it wasn't possible? Because now if we know when you decided that we can go back to that moment in time and choose a new lesson to learn. It wasn't possible for them because they were focused on X, Y, Z, or it wasn't possible for them because this was more important. And, you know, if you really don't believe it's possible, please don't contact me because like I said before, motivation in what matters to you is going to be a big uh, influence on how successful you are. But if you want to achieve both, then reach out because it is possible and I'll help you to change your perception around that as well. Love that. So well worded. (laughs) Thank you. Love it. I absolutely love it. so it's it's awesome and i i i i said it before i'm not big on extremes i think that anything is possible if you know if you're willing to be curious about it so i really align with that celeste i know you have a book i know you have a podcast tell us a little bit about those two things for people that do want to know more about you (laughs) For sure. So my book is Believe Your Way to Badass. And it's an interactive book, which means there's journal prompts there's a full guide to redefining self love and creating your best self, really. And I wrote this book, like this is so crazy. I wrote this book when I was 18 in an office, like um, yeah, so <laughs> it's like the weirdest thing. I was training at the time. I was like developing my business. I was training at the time in a gym. And I was really immersing in personal development. I was starting my psychology degree. And I remember I was working with this mentor for business and she was like, okay, like you can write an ebook and you can write a book that you're going to release and on Amazon and all this. And I was like, well, I know it's going to be a bestseller, but I don't know which one it is. And I was so hung up on um, the book being built more than just a body. And I realized that's not the book. It's not the book. It's not the book yet. I know that book's coming, but it's not happening yet. And it hit me. I was like, oh my gosh, I need to write a book on mindset. And I'm so glad I did because that's what I've, that's what matters to me most. And so in this book, I share a little bit about my story. I share some stories from people that I've worked with. Now, this was a long time ago. So my mission and even the things I described I do in that book is like changed. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that book is, is uh, it's almost like a flashback for me. Sometimes I look at it and I'm like, it's great if you're someone who does have like goals um, that you want to learn how to break down with your ideal version of yourself and get to know your identity even rewrite your identity immerse yourself into almost like basic personal development and apply what you maybe know or, or know you should be doing or think you should be doing and instead turn it into how can I apply it and I guide you through that in the book and then in terms of my podcast it's called confessions of a bikini pro and I interview IFBB bikini pros on things on and off the stage, life on and off the stage. I love highlighting their stories and their journeys and showing it goes so much deeper than surface level. Love it. Love it all. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Love it all. We can't say it enough. Um, No, but it really is so fast to hear all of these things. And I think the, the great thing about just like having a coach, having someone who's so like knowledgeable about these things is you've had your own experiences. So for the most part, you have an idea of what I'm sure your clients have felt. Um, and like, proof of certain things that work for you or might not work for others. Um, But ultimately what you said about questions is we talk a lot about this 
a lot on this podcast about asking ourselves questions and doing the deep internal work, but people usually don't know where to start and I don't blame them. So I love that you have like very clear guidelines, not only I'm sure through your book, but also in your coaching sessions, like even the questions you shared with us now, they really make you think. So it's hard to, you know, sometimes when we lie to ourselves without being aware of it, questions that you ask really like force people to be honest with themselves about what does this mean to me? You know? Mm -hmm. Um, But Anyways, (laughs) do you have any daily rituals, routines, or habits that you incorporate? I ask myself a lot of questions every day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, well, I do have daily routines. So I have a morning routine. I have the night routine. Um, The night routine is like a little newer. I'll give them all. I'll give them all. So like when I wake up in the morning, I immediately drink like I don't know. I call it a gut cocktail. Really, it just gets the day moving. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I, it's hydrating right away. If I start my day with water, I, I want to drink the rest of the day. So I usually do that right when I wake up and I, I journal immediately. My journaling can sometimes look different. My like go-to is what I'm looking forward to, what I'm grateful for, some statements that align, you know, like, oh, I'm celebrating my goals, like future pacing, or um, I'm writing it out, like my intentions. I write down commitments for the day. And then I identify three things that I love about myself or my body or the choices that I'm making. Um, And then sometimes like little extra things come up where I'm just like, I just feel like journaling about this. Like some mornings I get, like I ran into this guy at the gas station the other morning after the gym session I had. And like, he was making comment about my car, but he said something and it like stuck with me. And then I like journal about that. So so sometimes I get inspiration. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And then after I journal, I usually will eat um, or I do my cardio and then I go to the gym and I lift and do cardio. It depends on what my routine looks like that day in terms of like protocol. And then I do um, a financial review. I look at my finances every single day. I think everybody should do that, especially if you want more money, you want more freedom, you want more flow in your life. Life, be willing yeah. to look at it, you know, can't hit a target you can't see. And then I go from there and I do client check-ins. Sometimes I do client check-ins like while I'm cooling down from cardio as well, because I'll be having all this inspiration. But usually I have like my client hours at that point in time. And then I begin whatever's on my to-do list that I wrote out on Sunday night. <laughs> and then at nighttime, I'm I need to improve on this. I need to improve on turning my phone off. I always go and do not disturb an airplane, but turning it off, I've always like, I'm like, oh, well, what if I get this amazing idea that changes the world and I need to write it down? I'm like, then put it in a journal. Like, it's not, you know, it's like such a, yeah, like, why am I justifying that behavior? This, that's a great question for me to ask myself. <laughs> Yeah. So I maybe turn my phone off, but usually I just will finish client check-ins. Like all my client check-ins are done and then do not disturb mode and airplane mode. And then I make sure that I've taken my supplements for the day or like vitamins or whatever I'm Mm -hmm. doing like a nighttime, maybe it's tea or maybe it's like whatever with my supplements. And then I journal again. I do a daily reflection. Um, The daily reflection can be, um, I'm not going to share it though, because it is what I do for my clients in my food relationship program. So it's proprietary. (laughs) But one big thing I always ask myself is something I'm proud of myself for a lesson I learned and how I can apply it. So I will give you guys that. And then, um, and then another thing is I read, uh, this is very recent, a client gifted me a book and I was like, okay, like I don't usually read, like I really don't read or listen to podcasts much. Like I just don't, I don't know, which is funny because I do both those things. I write and I produce, but 
whatever. Um, but I started reading and now I love it. And I used to love reading, but now I'm so glad she did that because it really encouraged me. That's, and I go to bed. <laughs> oh, I love all of those. Thank you for getting so specific. We love a detail. We, we love, we do. <laughs> I was like, am I ranting? No, 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 no. it's perfect. I, uh, if I had all the time in the world, I would like make you even get more detailed, but we do have to let awesome. our final two questions because you have been so incredible, Celeste. I mean, everyone's going to get so much out of this. So thank you for sharing everything you have. Our last two questions. Has there been any resource in your life that has helped guide you through your 20s thus far? Oh, lots of amazing friends and family. That's the number one for me. Yeah, like coaches, mentors, I love them and they've made a big impact on me. Um, but friends and family, like, yeah, there's certain, there's groups of people that have really been the most beneficial resource. I wouldn't say, I also will say my education that has been really resourceful and helpful, but above all, it's the people. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love that. And our last question for you is where can people find you? Where can they find you if they want to listen to the podcast or Instagram or if they want to work with you? Yes. So Instagram is celestial underscore fit podcast is on any streaming platform or you can even ask your like google home and alexis to play it um but just as it would play confessions of a bikini pro and then if you guys want to work with me you could go through my food relationship like free series first or check out my website for resources i have a lot of freebies up there but celestial.fit is my website and the food series is celestial.fit slash food series. And that's a free series you can go through with food relationship coaching. And I try to respond within like 48 hours to anybody who's going through that series and being very responsive and going through every single prompt as well. Oh, so incredible. Thank Thank you so much. much. Thank you so, so much for all of your wisdom, (laughs) for your time. This was really awesome. Thank you. The pleasure is mine. And I got to say, like I heard on one of your shows, like Brenda, you love words of affirmation. Julia, I think you said the same thing, but I'm a big words of affirmation girl too. So all your words have meant a lot to me throughout the episode. I'm like, thank you. Of course. (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to Roaring 20s Podcast. Be sure to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and please subscribe. You're never alone. Our pride sticks together. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Roaring Twenties Podcast. You get to start your week with us and end your week with us. With love, Brenda and Julia. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.